The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome back to the Old Space Show. I am Brandon, and this is my co-captain, June. You know, sometimes when you're old, you need a little extra space. A little extra space never hurts anybody. It's true. Uh, this installment of Old Space Show continues our episode-by-episode travelogue through the second season of Space 1999, where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space, the population of its human-built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. Today, we are talking about the 19th episode, the Lambda. Lambda. Lambda factor. It was just one Lambda, but I had to. A pretty young alpha technician dies a horrible and unexplained death. Dr. Russell's experiments reveal that one of the crew is possessed of paranormal mental powers and is trying to take control. Moonbase Alpha. This one is directed by Charles Crichton. It's written by Terrence Dix, who us Doctor Who fans call God. Guest starring Deborah Follander, Jess Conrad, Terrence Dix, the writer of this, passed in 2019 recently but he is the he is a just if you're into doctor who you know who Doc, terrence dix is he was the script editor during the john pertwee era of the show uh though he began uh writing and working on scripts uh during the end of the patent patrick troughton his final season including the 10-part war games uh serial and he left during the Tom Baker era, pending a couple during that. He wrote the legendary Five Doctors 20th Anniversary Special. Uh, he, and in terms of novelizations of episodes, he wrote a gajillion of the Target novelizations, uh, which were a way when people didn't have VHS or reruns, they picked up novelizations of the Doctor Who serials. That's and that's it's how true. people... Uh, missing episodes. Uh, that's how people knew what happened in them. Uh, that were wiped from the BBC archives. Um, target novelizations existed. It ba- basically, with those two, they would add scenes here or there to pad out the requirement of the page allotment because some stories might be too short and have not much going on in terms of written on paper stuff, uh, running through corridors a lot. Um, but he was one of the best at doing that. He actually he made an addition. There was a kind of a for fun target novelization short story book that came out a couple years that I have where they were adding like the little side stories that would happen during certain serials. And he added one really fucking good one to that. Uh, he's a legend of British television, of course, with producing script, uh, scripting script editor work, just uh, RIP dude was brilliant. Um, even though, some of his interviews in his time in Doctor Who, his view on like women characters wasn't the strongest. But, <laughs> but some things don't age well. Him and Barry Letts, the producer of that era, the showrunner of that era, were good yin and yangs. Like Terrence Dick helped to lighten up 
the era a bit and because Barry Letts was very political in what he wanted to do. So they kind of in the middle made some of the best stuff uh, you'll ever see there. And they had the challenge of having to keep the doctor stranded on Earth during their time as well for it. And they did pretty they they created the character of the master. That was one of their big uh, things, as well as the sea devils and Solarians. A lot, a lot of a lot of cool stuff uh, in their era. But yeah, Terrence Dicks. Uh, Space 1999, pretty awesome. A lot, yeah. lot of Doctor Who DNA in 1999. Yeah, uh, we, yeah. I mean, it's not the first time we've you know, referred to Doctor Who uh, for the screenwriting or directing or what have you. Yeah, we've had polar ends of uh, we had we have Terrence Dix here. We had uh, a couple weeks ago Pip and Jane Baker. <laughs> so right. there's like two two ends of the spectrum in terms of uh, writing prestige for Doctor Who have been a part of this. And of course, you know, I you know the, I feel like. If you want to be like in TV acting and stuff like being in the UK during the like 60s, 70s or maybe the 80s was like awesome because you were just like hanging out. Like you want to part over here? Let's go over here. Like if you were if you were it got into one show, you probably got to do a bunch, you know, like it Mm. seems like it was just a, you know, the biggest like play stage around it probably was a lot more difficult than that but it just seems like it sounds sounds like it'd be fun but yeah <laughs> yeah probably yeah. A difficult. yeah probably you see him bouncing from hammer to itv right exactly i would love that <laughs> over to bbc you know granted sounds like a screenplay let's write yeah. it if yes let's do it like but if you were like doing stuff like this it wasn't cool back then and you were always looking for better and then you'd be like some senior citizen getting called up to do a convention where you're finally getting appreciation for something years no, and years no. ago so um like comic books it was kind of a, a kind of a, yeah. a you know, cultural gutter or whatever you know so mm-hmm. it's only being appreciated now i mean so. comic cons used to be just glorified vendor booth halls you know like that's yep. what a comic convention used was to be about comics mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember that Anyway, indeed, indeed. So the lambda. Fa- oh wait, no. Well, uh, I, we got, talk about Je- I got Go Deborah Follender, who's in this episode. She was in the movie Jabberwocky and also Chips, and then Conrad, uh, Jess Conrad. Uh, lots of TV, including uh, uh, Miss Marple series, and a lot of shows. I was like, nah, I don't know that. Um, he was. He, one, played, he was. He played himself in the Great Rock and Roll Swindle with the Sex Pistols, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Show yeah. notes, Jim. Show notes. Have we ever had show notes? We have never. I don't had remember show notes. show notes. No, I don't remember show notes. But please, show notes. It was announced like a, a week or two ago, but we haven't talked about it on the show here. Uh, Catherine Shell Maya on the show has been cast as Grandma in Rob Zombie's new iteration of the Monsters, coming soon to a theater near you. Wow, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, that mo- more cool street cred for Catherine Shell with you know, Space nineteen ninety nine, James Bond. Doctor Who, the monsters. I think she's got something else under her belt too, but she's got some pretty cool cred here and there. Awesome. So can't wait to see that. Uh, very looking forward to that movie actually, because Rob Zombie is a big monsters fan, and I think he's going to do it do it some justice. I I hope so. Here we go on to the Lambda Factor. So we begin. Moonbase Alpha is traveling through a region of space as it normally does, which they have named the Peace Zone because of its lack Although- of nearby stars or space storms. And as the episode goes on, it kind of becomes the bitchy zone. It is a bitchy. Like everybody bitchy. seems like really bitchy this episode, like especially Koenig. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like when they fly into this cloud, it's just like everybody gets irritated with one another. This is true. <laughs> uh, it's it seems like uh, to lack any potential threat, 
all should be well on Alpha, but is not. They are troubled by sporadic disturbances and petty irritations. One source of irritation is Sally Martin, who can't seem to complete her store's inventory on schedule. As a result, she has been ordered to complete her duties during her recreation period. While Sally is doing her inventory, objects start to move about the storeroom and a wind appears. Sally attempts to leave, but the door is closed, shutting her in. She then seeks shelter from the tempest in the subroom, but the door shatters and the storm follows her, in, follows her in. She screams as it exerts tremendous force upon her, which I called, oh. is this murder on the moon base express or death on the alpha? <laughs> you decide. Murder on the moon tonight. Ironside is his trickiest case ever. <laughs> The the log entry at the beginning of this really threw me because mm-hmm. usually when like uh, Russell's doing the log entry, it's like, well, you know, we're passing through this part of space, blah blah blah, and we're doing this, blah 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 blah, and it kind of sets the scene for what's going on, right? And this is like, well, we're passing through this part of space, and here's this girl, right? Yes, doing medial chores. Stuff Let's look at things. her for now for a moment. <laughs> it's like, why what's isn't she? On? And I quote, pretty. Yes, it says pretty right in the description. So yes, yes, so pretty guy. <sighs> it just was oh. really. It just seemed really odd. And then like, um, oh wait, she's like, I don't know. It just seemed. It seemed like she was attacked by a poltergeist. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people were off screen throwing things at her. <laughs> That's probably what was exactly happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Definitely. Hey, little behind the scenes stuff there. So, but um, uh, the, the wind. It's weird because the she gets hit with a wind machine and slow motion at the same time. Yeah, that's what really you know makes it bad. You know, wind machine is one thing, but slow motion too. Ah, it's too much. This means it's serious. Um, so meanwhile, John tosses and turns as this, as his sleep is disturbed by a vision well, of a woman out, accusing him out, of killing time her. Out. Time out. Can we talk about his bed and his bedwear real quick? Oh well, sure, sure. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I he's wearing teal silk pajamas, mm-hmm. pants and tops with a matching sheet. Yes, it's slightly it's slightly different color, but it they they uh he, he yeah, picked like them matches. You know? It's satin as well, or silk or whatever. Uh-huh. And his bed looks like an IKEA couch made of acoustic baffling. No, it does. It does. It's like it's like, it's this weird like futani shape, but it's like all these rails. It looks like so uncomfortable, but acoustically sound. If you wanted to record an album in that couch, yeah. I think it's probably good. It's science but. fiction-y, but is it comfortably? <laughs> you decide. She's this tiny matching sheet with silk pajamas <laughs> sleeping on this unpos- impossible couch. It's like, oh my god, no wonder everybody's going crazy in uh, Space Alpha. And then, like, the head of Yardley Smith floats over him. It's right, yeah. frightening. She's like, you killed me! Uh, but <laughs> Helena calls him and wakes him up and says, hey, you gotta, you, you gotta come down here. And he arrives... And learns of the mysterious circumstances of Sally's death. He's clearly agitated as he orders Helena and Tony to provide him with whatever information they can so we can begin an investigation. He goes to command center only to find that the sensors are malfunctioning due to a strange space phenomenon. He snaps at Maya as she struggles to give him an explanation. With minimal information, the sensors can provide. So it's called the Lambda Factor, but as Jim mentioned, it's the bitchy factor. Yeah, like, Kidding's really mad, and then, like, uh, uh, Russell shows up with the autopsy on Sally, mm-hmm. and she can't find anything, and he's mad at her about that? Like, what the hell, man? He's just mad about everything. Like, everybody just seems really up and 
up each other's butt this episode. They're all out of chill pills on Alpha this week. Yeah. Uh, tensions are also high in the recreation era as George Crato, I love <laughs> these random names, assumes that Carl Renton is cheating when he keeps beating him at one of the games. Tony arrives and breaks things up as George attacks Carl physically. He sends oh them God. both on their way, then tells Sally's ex-fiance, Mark Sanders, <laughs> and his current girlfriend and roommate of the now-deceased Sally, Carolyn Powell, of her passing. All right, first of all, we come into the recreation room. They're playing three-dimensional chess. They stole that from Star Trek, first of all, okay? Right. On the other table, this gambling game they're playing, it looks like a light bright. Like a randomized light bright. Yep. And there's like no rules to it all. It looks like it might be, I don't know, digital craps or something. I couldn't even figure out what they're gambling on and why he was getting mad, right? It's beyond then, your comprehension, Jim. It's space in the year 1999. I, I guess so, dude. It's way in the future. I can't handle that. Yep. And and then Tony is the tough guy who beats it up, who breaks it up. Like both these guys <laughs> have like a half a foot on Tony. And he's like, all right, you break it up or I'm going to come in there. Yeah, like where's Carter? That's like his he's not job. not intimidating in any way. Yeah, you need like, Alan Carter for this, you know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's like later. I mean, I don't mean to jump ahead, but like when Koenig and, and Tony are doing the interrogations, like they're trying to do good cop, bad cop, but Tony's not intimidating in the least. And like Koenig's supposed to be, it's like good cop, good cop. It's, it's hilarious. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So Helena has finished her autopsy and tells John that Sally's body was shattered internally with no evidence of any type of weapon having been used. Haven't we had, like, deaths happen internally before on the show? Like, this isn't the first time, like, oh, they died from the inside, but they look fine on the outside. Is all the different dumb ways people have died on the show, I'm surprised anything shocks them anymore. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, she was shattered internally. Yeah, big deal. Big deal. Whatever. Uh, Joni, or Joni, <laughs> John and Tony, that's... J- Koenig, they were a couple. Together. Like, All right. yeah, hey, t- Team Joni. Yeah, the, yeah, get yeah, it. You guys, okay. Uh, meet with Saunders to discuss her relationship with Sally. They interview Carolyn next, and she becomes hostile when Tony asks her about her research <laughs> on some sort of pressure device. And I'm like, okay, yeah, she isn't suspicious at all. Oh, no. And the next scene, especially. <laughs> but like this, this is like Law and Order, Moonbase Alpha. Yes. <laughs> boom, boom. I expected Briscoe to come out. Look, you know, I'm not as forgiving as my friend over here. Tony goes to her lab to look at the device. When Carolyn shows up, he asks her to explain it to him. Oh, my she God. Sma- she smashes it and tells Tony that now it can't be blamed for the next murder. And he asks if she is expecting a next murder. She asks him <laughs> if he if he isn't. <laughs> this whole scene. I don't get I didn't get this whole scene at all. They walk in, there's this giant loose coffee, and, and she, he's, she's like, fine, you want me to explain it? I'll explain it. <laughs> Just tears it into bits. Here you go. Is that explained enough for you, Tony? Damn. Huh? Now so it's not evidence. That's suspicious. That's not suspicious in any way. Now you you'll, see you'll turn Sally. your eye on her. <laughs> so, um... Alan is investigating the fact that three quarters of the Eagles are non-operational. He talks to chief engineer Pete Garforth, who doesn't understand why engines that test okay on the workbench fail when put back into the Eagles. When Pete is called away, Alan takes a quick look around. Before he can leave, 
An engine starts by itself and begins to overload. But does it though? Because he flips a lot of levers and buttons. He's like monkeying with it there for a minute. Right. It's like I'm just like I didn't even think it was sabotage at first. I thought Alan was being dumb. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't until they said it, yeah, like uh, that I realized it was sabotage. And the door was broken. And then a commercial break. Yes. Dum, dum, so dum. much. So uh, Alan tries to shut it off, but he can't. He tries to leave, but the door is closed and won't open. Tony and Maya pass by and hear the engine. Um, Alan tries to warn them off, but Maya turns into a gorilla. And she pries the doors open and disconnects the power uh, to the motor. And back in command center, Maya detects what she thinks are lambda waves coming from the object in space. Helena then identifies the waves and the lambda variant, a wave discovered during research in e- into ESP. Helena begins testing elephants to see if they are being affected by these waves. With her test completed, she goes to John's quarters to show him her data. It's late, but he's awake. Oh my God. Okay. First of all, ESP was very hot when this came out, right? The whole mm-hmm. ESP situation, right. cr- Kreskin and all that. So of course they're going to work that into the, the show. Found its way right? into the Exorcist too. Yeah. The guy who moves the pinball looks like a love young Clive Owen. I wrote that down. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, yes, that guy. Yes, I remember that guy. I thought the same thing. <laughs> In one angle, like face, like front on, he looks like Clive Owen exactly. <laughs> Clive Owen thing. is a time traveler. Wow. Yeah, and then the other guy that turned into Yuri Geller, he's like bending a spoon, but it's like a, a future spoon. Right. So it's like rectangular flat piece with a little indentation to one side because mm. you know spoons have to be you know that way in the future <gasps> right uh, oh my god just so funny oh it's just great it's like all the and then the cards with the it's just all the esp tropes it was great oh gosh uh so she begins to share her findings but notices that he doesn't seem well she tries to give john some something to help him sleep, which he refuses. He tells her he is afraid to sleep and about the visions that have been terrorizing him. Mark visits Carolyn to tell her that she can't shake. He can't shake the feeling that she had something to do with Sally's death. He tells her that she's changed and it just won't work out. He leaves her a short while later. The lights dim in the corridor. He is walking and winds begin to blow. Maya detects an energy surge from the object over alpha as Carolyn power Powell kills Mark in the same way she killed Sally. Now, I wanted to mention, first of all, I forgot to mention the Lambda cloud itself kind of looks like a rotating uh, everlasting gobstopper. It or does. Maybe the out- or maybe the outside of a watermelon, that kind of situation. Um, the, the, the scene with Helena and, uh, and Koenig, and especially the scene with Caroline and this guy, I wrote in big letters, so acting, because it was like close-ups of their faces, with reaction mm-hmm. shots and stuff, and I could almost hear the violins. <laughs> You've oh. changed, Caroline. I can't yes. be with you anymore. <laughs> I feel you have something to do with his death. As uh, the so moon base turns. Right, exactly. Oh, gosh. Uh, so when his body is found, Tony is certain that Carolyn is the killer, but Helena asks for another series of tests just to be sure. Ah, ah. Just oh. to be sure. Uh, Tony insists on being there as early reports from the tests are received in command center. Sandra tries to pass the information to Koenig, who is distracted by the ghosts of Sam and Tessa. 
Two, oh my God, these ghosts! Two pizza-faced friends. He was forced to leave behind on mission to on a mission to Venus when they contracted a strange and highly contagious illness. He runs through the room trying to get away from the visions. Uh, yeah, they uh, they they imbue um uh Martin Landau with the spirit of overacting. Yeah. <laughs> Get away! Get away! Get away. Ah, ah, I can't take it! Ah. <laughs> Could you imagine this shit in season one? Like, this is just such no, a no, wildly different vibe of a show. Like, if, if this was season one, they would have, like, this would have been, like, creepier for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. But this is like. Bergman would have been like, oh, no such thing as ESP. That's just bunk. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, so, um, Helena finishes her testing with Carolyn Powell the only one capable of generating the Lambda variant in a room shielded from the object over Alpha. Tony asks Carolyn to come in with him, and she responds by telepathically knocking him, a security guard, and Helena across the room. She leaves. They really, they really break out the Dutch angles at this point. Like when she goes full carry in this part of the episode. Mm-hmm. They're ahead in schedule. Like, they got uh, to play around. You know, going, going after everybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of, a lot of weird... Uh, um, um, like moving cameras and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as others pick themselves up, Sandra alerts Helena to the fact that Koenig has locked himself in his room and won't come out. They have to. They leave to check on John and find him locked in his quarters in a catatonic state. Helena has brought him to medical center where she uses narcosynthesis to help him face and overcome his fears. I think I saw narcosynthesis open for ministry at Lollapalooza ah! in '94. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be here all week. Enjoy the shrimp. Tip your butt. Tip we your are narcosynthesis. Good night. There will be no encore. <laughs> They're kicking us out, guys. I've got to go home. That's stay. You got. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Sorry. Uh, shirts are for sale in the back. Check our merch booth. Uh, Tony orders security to stun Carolyn on site. She easily quells any attempt to stun her and makes her way to command center where she sits right down in Kodak's chair. Alan tells her she is out of place. She sends him to flight control <laughs> with a telepathic suggestion and immobilizes the rest of the command center staff. Tony shows up, and she forces him to kneel before her and call her. Oh, man, so cringy. <laughs> kneel before me. Crawl like a worm on the floor. I'm like, wow, there are guys who pay $500 an hour in New York City for this kind of treatment. Mm. And then... <laughs> And then, so, so wait, and they use a real tiger. I don't know if you mentioned the scene with Maya. Turner oh, yeah, yeah, tiger yeah, yeah. Or They used a real tiger. Yeah. Like, they had that really crappy gorilla suit earlier in the episode, but then they come out with a real tiger for this? Yeah, I mean, those aren't cheap. And, like, do they just keep one of those around the set? This isn't the first time we've had a tiger. You just, you know, dial a tiger, I guess. Yeah, like, one, they have... one 800 tiger Yeah. She also turns it's, into a just... chimp and a caterpillar this episode, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also real animals. Yeah. Helena's treatment begins to take effect, and John sees his ghosts again. He tries to run, but Helena forces him to face and confront his fears. In talking, in talking to his visions of Sam and Tessa, he realizes that his friends knew he had no other choice but to leave him, and that what he is seeing right are not the ghosts of his friends. Maya arrives in command center, and Carolyn forces her to change into a monkey, then a caterpillar. She threatens to crush Maya before Tony's eyes, but decides to let her suffocate slowly in a small clear box instead. 
it's more dramatic that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did like the line, uh, your ghosts hate you. <laughs> when Conan <laughs> was with it, when he had his forced ghost from planet Nagzima haunting him. I just, all I could think of was kneel before Caroline. <laughs> kneel, but <Baba>, kneel. <laughs> and then she makes Tony call her commander and stuff. It's so funny. It's just, <laughs> oh man, it was great. And then uh, so many explosions and sparks. It's so much product burn off in this episode. Oh yeah. Oh sure, for sure. Um, so Helena tells John her theory that the object over Alpha is magnifying the emotional state of the ESP sensitives, the two most powerful being Caroline and he, who then use the power of the object to manifest their hatred and fears respectfully. Sandra is forced to call to them that Caroline has taken command and wants to see Koenig. When they get there, Caroline tells them that she is in command now. Look at me. Look at me. I am the Alpha commander now. <laughs> oh, if this show were more popular, that'd be a great meme. Um, Ko- Koenig tells her he knows that she wants them to hate her so she can turn the power of their hate against them. But Koenig tells her that they have no hate for her. She screams at him to hate her, telling him that she hates him, but they have no hate for her. With only her own hate to latch onto, all hell breaks loose around her, but no one else is hurt. Carolyn eventually collapses, and the object over Alpha fades away, leaving Carolyn's mind completely blank. How many times did I say hate in, like, the period of, like, three sentences? That felt like a I don't know, but, like, every computer on that command center blew up in that sequence. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I don't know whether they have, if they have extra computers sitting around or whatever, but, like, the whole thing, like, like nobody gets hurt. You know, Koenig and her don't get hurt, but like mm-hmm. the entire place blows up. So there is that. <laughs> right. Right. Um, oh, and so, then there's the dra- dramatic part of Tony uh, taking the little plastic box off of my. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun. Straining on the floor. Uh, 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 <laughs> almost. He like flicks uh, it. And it's like, oh, there you go. Got it. <gasps> oh, my. In our epilogue, a few quick tests reveal that the Alphans have been returned to their original unmagical selves, something Uh, which Kodak does not regret in the least. So, like, like Caroline's just cool. They're like, you know what? We're stuck out in space. You don't remember shit, so I guess you never killed anybody. Yep. Yeah, you know, that'll be useful. Also, um, the funny part, you forgot the funny part of the epilogue. Koenig oh, falls asleep listening to Helena talk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. She's like, oh, because I... And she goes on, and of course, John Koenig falls asleep because, you know, he's a man. He doesn't have time to listen to a woman talk. <laughs> bop, 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 bop. This is the second Wah. one that's... This is the second, like, end credits little stinger that, like, involved Koenig falling asleep. Yes, it is. It's like, well, let's it reuse is. that joke again. Hey, he's a, Martin Landau's a funny sleeper. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Hard life running Moonbase Alpha. Yeah. yeah uh, this is one of those running around Alpha, bad guys within type ones and telepathy. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I did like the weird camera angles and stuff. Kind of gave a made it like less boring to look at, I guess, than some other ones like it. But uh, yeah. 
I don't know what would have made this one work better. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a cash in on the ESPN, uh, the ESPN, ESP trend of that time because that was right? super very hot. And they're trying to bring that in. It was. It's always cool to see like other cast members, but then again, you realize you're never going to see them again. So, right, don't get too attached. And I'm surprised I haven't seen that woman who played uh, Caroline Moore. She had a really weird, well, not weird, but just like an odd look about her, like a very mm-hmm. unique look. I just, you know, kind of uh, almost remind me of like Olivia Coleman uh, in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't the greatest stuff. It's, you know, Freiburg. Yeah. The Freiburg, <laughs> Freiburg era. You got to, you know, it is what it is. You take what you get or yep. what, whatever happens, happens, you know. All right, so uh, that'll do for another Moon Buggy Adventure. In the meantime, Jim, where can people find you? Well, every week I'm on Nothing's On, the Nothing's On podcast with Bill Taylor and Donnie Salvo. Going through the week's worth of entertainment news and reviews of what we've watched and what our listeners have watched. We always have a really active community there. Uh, that's available at the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com, also on Apple. Uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon, and wherever you could find podcasts are sold. Also, uh, HHWLOD, uh, we'll be kicking back into high with the Walking Dead TV podcast as the show starts up in about two weeks, I think. Uh, the main show begins again, and we're going to be coming to the season finale. We were there at the beginning, and we're going to ride it all the way out to the end. That's at HHWLOD.com. All right. Hashtag Joni. Uh, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at whysoblue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peters show this week, but until then... Alpha out. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.